One of our customers, Factorial, talked about scaling up their team from like 45 to 120 developers over the course of eight months and saw that they saved like five to 10 hours of developer time per month just from not having to deal with configuration drift and, and environment issues and reduced, even though they scaled the team up by about 3x, they reduced their their DevOps support team by 50% in doing so. And so we're seeing a lot of, of just time saved because developers aren't having to deal with the toil of the configuration mm. of their machine. Welcome to the show. My name is Michael Lynn, and this is the MongoDB Podcast. Got an exciting conversation with Mike Brevort, Chief Product Officer at Gitpod. The software development industry has seen a massive increase in the complexity of tools, frameworks, and libraries over the last few years. This can make setting up development environments a challenging and time-consuming process. Gitpod simplifies this by providing pre-configured, automated environments that are ready to use. Always ready to code. Stay tuned for a conversation with Mike Brevort, Chief Product Officer at Gitpod. Mike Brevort, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. As we mentioned, you're, you're joining us from Denver. Denver, yeah, the suburbs of Denver, Colorado. Right. And what's it like there today? It's sunny. It's, uh, it's kind of typically sunny. Um, yeah. So it's very sunny today, warm. It's, it's actually colder today, but Denver, Colorado, the weather patterns are, are kind of wild up and down. So we're going to talk about Gitpod today and, and developer environments and efficiency in, in the developer space. Um, why don't you give the folks an introduction, tell folks who you are and, and kind of what you do. So yeah, my name is Mike Brevort. Uh, I am the CPO at Gitpod. Um, we're building cloud developer environments, a uh, next generation of development tools powered in the cloud and uh, sort of unbounded by your current local uh, machine. Uh, before that, I've only been at Gitpod since uh, August, so it's been about nine months. Before that, I spent the four previous years at Slack, um, working on developer platform. Uh, I joined Slack through an acquisition of a company I created uh, called Missions, uh, which built a messaging-based workflow tool that uh, we went on when we joined Slack to create Workflow Builder. So that is the like really lightweight workflow tool that's part of built into Slack. Um, and then, you know, went on to, uh, in a variety of roles at Slack, but the last thing I worked on there is our next generation, uh, platform that includes like hosting and data storage capabilities and all new CLI and SDK experience that is hopefully launching in general availability, uh, this summer. So excited to see that. Yeah. And that, you mean that's at Slack? At Slack. Yeah. So to have an impact, I mean, what a great company Slack is. I'm uh, still a huge fan. Yeah. Very yeah. big fan. Yeah. So. Me too. Me too. I, I love Slack. So tell the folks the the uh, I guess the the motivation to to build Gitpod and and how you ended up at Gitpod. Yeah, so like I said, I joined nine months ago, and so I joined this journey that started about five years ago um, by uh, Sven uh, Eftinge and a collection of of developers in uh, in Kiel, Germany, who had been working on uh, IDE tools on on language tools. Uh, Sven, you created Xtext. He uh, worked a lot with uh, the Eclipse Foundation. Uh, and they had, along the way, had created this small consultancy um, that was focused on uh, on developer tools called Typebox. And they were working with a lot of international clients, working on um, building you know, developer tooling, IDE-based tooling 
And one of the projects they worked on was uh, to build a data science cloud uh, IDE, uh, you know, similar to what you find like in Jupyter Lab uh, today. Mm. And that really sparks the um, some of the the early ideas around like, well, with with something like Jupyter Labs, you're you both have this this authoring experience that is entirely cloud based. You're leveraging resources that are outside of your machine. You're doing that in a way that is collaborative. You start to can do things like have multiple of, of those at a time. And and the question was like, well, why don't we have this for regular development from like, you know, text based IDE, more formal IDE based development. And if you started to look at the, you know, the pane of glass that is your IDE and you see your like, file explorer on the left and you see the files that you're editing. And um, we just assume that the files are on our local machine, but there's no reason why those files couldn't be on some remote machine. Um, why we even had to think about the machine at all. Why couldn't we provide an analogous experience to that to sort of unlock both the, um, so the computing power, um, as well as the, the automation to be able to give you one of those environments and for you to manage not just one of them and keep your local laptop in a pristine case, um, many of them at a time. And so that, that initial work, um, inspired a lot of the team to ask a lot of questions. And this was before, uh, it was the. You know, Adam uh, was uh, the first real web-based IDE. Mm -hmm. um, VS Code uh, was launched on uh, with, again, web technologies, but wasn't running in the browser yet. And so the Gitpod team originally did you know, the work to say, well, why couldn't we run these IDEs in the browser? Um, and that, that started the, the journey. So how is, how is Gitpod presented to the developer? So the, and the reason we call it GitPod is because it's it's very closely tied to Git to where your source is managed in source control, uh, and what we want to do is be able to provide you with an automated developer environment as quickly as we can, tied to whatever Git context you're working in. So whether that's a branch or a PR you've just you're working on, or one that you're reviewing for someone else, um, that that workspace that you launch is tied to that specific Git context and for you to operate in that Git context and to mm -hmm. be able to do multiples in parallel. So what we really want to do is get a developer to the point where they're actually ready to code, um, where they say, I have something to do and how fast can we get you to that point where you can actually start coding? And there's a lot of things that need to happen to get you there, um, especially if you're starting on a brand new project or if you're like switching contexts where um, you know, you need to not only set the project up, you need to install dependencies, you need to build those dependencies, you need to configure uh, if you're working with databases or other tools or even other services, you need to configure credentials for those, you need to, um, you want to run the tests, you want to get to the point where you could run hmm. the test, make sure that like where you're, when you're going to start, you're going to start developing that all the tests pass. And so we try to do is make it as seamless as possible to get you to the point where you're ready to code. Hmm. That's great. Starting as a as a beginner developer, it's all pretty simple, right? We maybe you're using npm, maybe you're using Python. There's some library uh, complexities with both of those environments. Probably the two most popular. What's the size of the developer team or the step in the journey when Gitpod becomes something that a team might want to look at? It's really anyone. I mean, anybody can can get value from being able to have an automated reproducible development environment for them on hand. It's the way, um, before I joined Gitpod and I was introduced through uh, a contact who had 
you know, one thing led to another with relationships. I was working on a side project and the first thing I did was try to use Gitpot on it. And it was a, it was this mobile app that I was building with a friend and it was with Expo, which is a, you know, framework and it was kind of complicated, had a lot of complicated pieces to it and I got it working and it kind of blew my mind that I was able to get it working and it worked so fast. And so, and that was just me individually working with one other person on a project, but the, um, the value kind of compounds uh, with the, the more team members that you have, because ultimately like someone has to do the work to set up an environment, to do the automation for, you know, what, uh, what resources do need to be there to develop? How do I configure, uh, the environment and the credentials and how do I get that set up? But mm. what you do instead of everybody having to do that individually as a, like a challenge task, when you join a new team or something, it just happens for you. And so whether I'm the tech lead on a project that's been working on something for five years and I know everything inside and out, or I'm a brand new developer on the team, everybody can essentially click a button and get the same environment. And so um, I tend to look at that through the lens of equity. I find it really interesting that uh, when, you know, especially when developers come out of boot camps, uh, was only, you know, you learn a lot in six months um, or, or even out of like CS programs, you learn a lot about computer science theory, you learn about development, you learn about how to work with programming languages. Nobody really teaches you how to work on a professional software development team and all the complexities that tie start to bleed into builds and DevOps and continuous integration and packaging and configuration and deployment. There's like all these layers of complexities that you shouldn't actually need to know to, to start to be productive. And so I think it, anybody, like any size team could benefit from uh, the ease the uh, taking away a lot of the grunt work and a lot of the the issues that come up, like how often have you been in a, a, a daily like stand up or a type meeting where someone goes, ah, I tended to do this yesterday, but I spent the whole afternoon working through my development environment issues. And I think I'm almost out of the woods, but I still have a little bit more to go. Like that should not be a thing. And so I think mm. everybody suffers from that. The most experienced developers to the most novice ones. Mm. So is it specifically for developer environments or do you, uh, extend that into other hops on the way to production. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It is, it is very much tailored to developer environments. We tend to focus, like the way I think about it is we're very much focused on everything before the merge. So mm -hmm. uh, when you're working, if you're working in like a branch style development in Git, uh, that Gitpod focuses on all those things before you get to the point where you've actually merged into mainline. Then after that, your CI, CD system takes over, your build system takes over to get that in production. We want the Gitpod environments to be as close to production as possible, like anybody mm -hmm. else. But we're very much focused on like everything that happens before that uh, to try to streamline that process as much as we can. Yeah. And what's the surface area for the developer? I join the team, I come on, the team is using Gitpod. If your team has, uh, if you're set up with Gitpod, and, and really what that means is the core of it is in your repo, oh, there's a file, it's a Gitpod YAML file that describes how to set up that environment. And that is really the point of collaboration on a team. It's, it's managed in Git, which is great because it has like a level of auditability and, and, and contribution. But you go to that repo and you either, you could go log in, sign in to Gitpod.io uh, and click open a workspace, choose that repo. And you know, in a few moments you get an environment. Um, now you could, there's also, uh, we have a Chrome plugin that does things like add buttons directly into GitHub so that when you're looking at a PR, looking at a repo, you can just click an open pod button. And the default experience uh, is a, a browser-based VS Code 
uh, editor. However, you could change your preference to be VS Code desktop. Um, there's a whole collection of JetBrains, IDEs. Uh, you can also SSH directly into um, the, the workspace as well. If you prefer a terminal-based editor, you know, like uh, BI, uh, even Emacs. Uh, and so we try to support as many tool, uh, tools and editors uh, as people want, want to use. But that's basically the experience. It should be a fairly familiar experience, except you don't have to install Node on your machine. You don't have to um, clone the repo directly and often set your SSH keys up locally. You don't have to run through the scripts or, or run through all the instructions on the readme to like NPM install and, and try to, you know, you're, you just happen to be on a different version of a Mac than the last time the thing was updated and like struggle through all those tools. <laughs> you basically click a button yeah. and you get the environment. And that's great. And it's, I love that it's familiar. So, so the surface area is VS code for those familiar with VS code and, and command line or terminal if you're familiar with that, right? Right, yeah, and so we, we want to support the tools that you use. Originally, when, uh, when Gitpod was first created, the team had uh, created the Thea uh, IDE uh, tool set as a yeah. web-based IDE, because that capabilities didn't exist yet. But we doubled back and went to support VS Code because that's where the majority of development is done today. But the, in professional engineering, there are a lot of other IDE tools. Like I mentioned, the JetBrain suite of tools, which mm -hmm. uh, depending on what type of language you're working on, what team you're working on, how long you've been developing, what you're familiar with, we want to support the tools that people are most familiar with um, on the team and give people the freedom to choose. Mm. Well, if you're joining us today and you're not familiar with Gitpod, you can check out more information at www.gitpod.io. And... Uh, like, what's the uh, the revenue model? Is it um, is there a freemium, uh, an entry fee? Yeah, so there's, um, for every individual that signs up, we have a 50-hour, uh, effectively a 50-hour allowance mm -hmm. on just standard workspace sizes. And then it's pay-as-you-go. So uh, we have a standard charge for number of credits, depending on the size mm -hmm. of workspace you use, and um, and you it's just metered and, and you pay-as-you-go. And that's for, uh, if you go to Gitpod.io and you sign up, but you can just start using Gitpod, that's what you get. Um, we have another product that we're in the developing now, and we just started launching to our first handful of customers. That is a dedicated deployment model where, um, we have a different way that we, uh, we, we license that, but ultimately we're deploying it into your AWS account in a way that we then manage. So, um, you do the initial, like deploy, we give you a confirmation template. It bootstraps up, it phones home. We automate all the deployment to it. We keep it all up to date. Uh, but that effectively runs inside your own cloud account and your own perimeter. And so those are our two primary delivery models. Yeah. So there are tools that have been used to do something very similar. Uh, Terraform, for example. Um, there are some some GUI-based tools as well. How does Gitpod differ from something like Terraform? Yeah, so, I mean, Terraform is really a, uh, you know, a language and semantic to describe infrastructure and to mm -hmm. deploy the infrastructure and keep it up to date. And you could look at something like Gitpod and think of it as infrastructure, that it's a server that runs, if it's like VS Code server that I connect to from an IDE. And you could stand all that stuff up yourself. But I think what where the value comes is when you don't have to think about any of that. Like you actually shouldn't need to think of what is sitting, what, what Gitpod is running as a VM or a server or a container. Like it literally doesn't matter. matter. You have a terminal, a Linux-based terminal, you have your IDE that could connect into these resources, and that shouldn't matter. And so if you want to do all that work, if you want to try to work with Terraform and set all this stuff up yourself, you can. It's a lot of work, 
Um, and it's, it's a lot of work to make that experience uh, fast and reliable. Cause it turns out there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of content to copy like that. That's turns out to be one of the biggest complexities in making this experience really good is that you open up these repos and you download these dependencies and it's like gigabytes and gigabytes of files. So like what I want to do is, is try to get developers away from having to think about that as infrastructure at all, even mm. whether you think about it, it's on my local machine or it's on this other machine. Like why are we so caught up in that at all? That's not the problem that you're trying to solve. And so, um, there are a lot of the building blocks and we rely on a lot of open source, uh, including, you know, Gitpod right now is powered primarily by Kubernetes and we run workspaces and containers mm -hmm. and I think we'll continue to evolve. Uh, but we don't want our users to have to think about infrastructure. So that's actually the value proposition mm -hmm. that you can turn all that infrastructure into a button and an environment. Yeah, that's great. So we have a question from John Omiyokwe. I hope I didn't butcher that name. Uh, can you use Git? Copilot with Gitpod? You can. Um, you, uh, you have to use it with VS Code uh, Desktop. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason is the reason you can't use it in our flavor of VS Code in the browser is because of a terms of service limitation that Microsoft has. It says that you can't use um, the module directory for um, official directory of VS Code mm -hmm. in non official Microsoft clients. So you can yeah. use it on VS Code Desktop, connect remotely in the Gitpod, which a lot of customers do. Um, or in the browser, you can, however, there are a lot of alternatives. Um, there's like tab nine, which is one there's Codium, there's Codium with an E and without an E, uh, I'm really excited about the one with an E they just launched a chat experience that I saw today, but you have a lot of, uh, a lot of choices as well. And so what we do and what a lot of others do who have uh, browser based VS code, um, distributions is. And this actually was created by the Gitpod team. There's a service called OpenVSX, which is a, uh, an open source uh, VS Code module directory that we uh, we turned over to the Eclipse Foundation that the Eclipse Foundation manages. But um, it's a way for you to offer modules uh, for, that are built for VS Code that uh, can be installed in the official Microsoft clients as well as any other client that could work with VS Code. And so most people publish to both places, but the Usually the tools that Microsoft creates, uh, they only publish in their own uh, directory, directory, but you can use them on VS um, Code Desktop. You could also use them. Uh, they also are starting to support clients in like some of the JetBrains IDEs and NeoVim and some other places. And so they'll work there as well. And so I did want to touch on code spaces. It seems like there's there might be a little bit of an overlap in, in functionality there. Is Do you view GitHub code, uh, code spaces as a competitor? Yeah, they're definitely a competitor. Um, mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of parallels between them. Um, we were uh, flattered uh, when they launched Codespaces. Like, Gitpod's been sort of at this for a long time. It was actually a really good validation yeah. um, for us. Um, you know, we the way we look at it is that, uh, one, we feel like that this opportunity is much bigger than any one company. Um, the, the developer tooling space as a whole, and it's a, it's a very big market and a very big opportunity. And um, we're, we're like excited to, to compete and offer alternative, uh, experiences. I think there's, if you're, if you're fully bought into the, to, to the GitHub, to GitHub and the Microsoft ecosystem and Azure thing, there's, there's a lot of like good and interesting things there. Um, we ultimately want to build the best cloud developer environment, um, platform. And we think that we're uniquely suited to be able to do so. 
Uh, but we also think that developers should have choice. Like I talked about the choice of IDEs that you should, you should feel like you have choice and we don't want to lock anybody in. And ultimately we want you, our users, our developers, our customers to choose Gitpod because they like it better yeah. because they like using it better. They're like it makes them more productive. And, um, and so, yeah, I would definitely consider they're, they're one of our, um, competitors, uh, and, uh, there's some others out there, but, the um, it's, it, it's been interesting to see the, all that work over the last five years at least be part of the influence to see um, services like Codespaces uh, mm -hmm. launch and take a lot of inspiration from the early choices that the Gitpod team made. Yeah, that's great. I guess imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. <laughs> um, okay, so up until now, we've been talking about uh, preparing a developer environment with access to code and, and tools. What about databases? How does Gitpod and MongoDB work together? Yeah, it's a good, really good question. Um, so we don't actually use MongoDB to build Gitpod. Mm -hmm. However, a lot of developers that are using Gitpod are building all sorts of applications. Um, some of those are using MongoDB. Some of them are using Mongo Atlas. Mm -hmm. And we want to make it as easy for you to use the tools that you want to use both for development and production to make that possible for you to have a development environment powered by Gitpod where you can use those tools. And I think that especially like cloud-oriented tools like Mongo Atlas, like um, other other sort of cloud services that um, are or can easily be like provisioned and and deprovisioned, are a really good fit for this vision for CDEs that we have. Where the ideal experience that I can imagine is one where you want to work on something and you get a brand new environment instantly, and it has all the tools that you need. In, a, in an isolated way to do the work that you're, you need to do. And so for something like Mongo Atlas, we've been working with the Mongo team and trying to make it even easier so that when you spin up a Gitpod workspace on a particular branch in Git, that you get an instance of Mongo Atlas that could be pre-seeded with data um, and connected and authenticated uh, straight away. Um, that is independent for if you have multiple workspaces that you're working on at a time because, and you're like context switching between them, you could have them working in parallel that you would have parallel uh, instances of Mongo Atlas that's like already configured uh, for you for each one of those. And that when you delete that workspace that we, we delete those resources as well. So um, that's one of the ways uh, that are, you know, we find developers as they're configuring their development environment to work with something like Atlas that we're really excited about because we think it's like a really good sort of impedance match um, for how to work with those tools and really leaning into the sort of elasticity um, of, you know, cloud-based tools as well. Yeah. I imagine you've got quite a few customers developing cloud-native apps, starting with deployment of Gitpod for their developer environments. How has the uptake been? Uh, how, are you comfortable talking about the number of customers that you have? Uh, it's been it's been really good. I mean, we've had, uh, Gitpod has, has a, a lot of, We've had a lot of goodwill in the, in the open source community. Um, you'll see a lot of buttons around repos with like mm -hmm. opening Gitpod. Um, we've done sponsorship of uh, open source community. Uh, we have um, anywhere between you know eight to ten thousand new developers try Gitpod every week, uh, and we're in the in the in the throes of of changing a bit. We had when I joined Gitpod, we had a self hosted open source community um, version of of the product. And what we found is that it's like what you talked about with how hard is it uh, to build the infrastructure and manage the infrastructure and 
isn't this really just a, you know, can't you just use Terraform or something like that? And, and we tried to make it as easy as possible to, to set up and run the self-hosted instance to GitHub, but it was still like, it was still actually hard and complicated system. So mm -hmm. we were in the process of like pivoting from that into a more managed SaaS deployment model um, that effectively looks like self-hosted in a lot of ways because it runs in your own account. Like we're running that in your AWS account, but we fully manage it and it's fully automated. And so, um, so we what we found is especially with our um, like our our, our multi-tenant SaaS offering, even with as much of the isolation that we can provide and the guarantees we provide, and we have, like we're SOC two um, uh, compliant and go through that audit yearly and and doing like all the things you would do as a SaaS provider. But even so, especially when it comes to companies and their sensitivity for how they classify their source code, um, a lot of companies treat that as like their their highest level classification from a privacy perspective, and they won't let it leave their like their cloud perimeter. Um, and so we've learned a lot in, in building Gitpod and trying to satisfy the needs of customers, large and small. Uh, and it's what led us to that dedicated deployment model because we're really mm -hmm. trying to satisfy the needs of those customers who, again, they need their source not to leave um, their perimeter as well as they need to protect what comes in. So there's Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people these days are concerned with supply chain security um, and for, for good reason. And so they need more control. And so the, the, the uptick's been really good. The demand's been really good. The, mm -hmm. um, like we get a lot of exposure, like I said, out of, uh, you know, the sort of year over year work that we've been doing, but um, lots of sources for feedback for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, security was the next area of focus I wanted to jump to, but you kind of covered it there. You want to talk a little bit more about, um, about how Gitpod is is ensuring the security of the most valuable assets of a company, which is their source code. Yeah, one of one of the ways is through that dedicated deployment model, um, mm -hmm. which is when you get your your own single tenant isolated instance of Gitpod, and even in when the way that we manage it, we don't have access to read your source, and so you have full control over that staying within your account. Um, but then what we provide as a runtime is a controlled environment for you. Whereas uh, when you're doing development in the more traditional way where you're cloning Git repos onto your local laptop um, and you're cloning multiples of those. So maybe you have 10 different projects all in different folders on your laptop where um, if somebody installs or runs some script on your machine that has read access to your file system, you basically compromised it all. And so one of the things we do is each one of these workspaces is isolated. So it only has the one Git project. And if, if somehow that's compromised, somebody runs some untrusted script, all that that has access to is that. And then when you throw that workspace away, you basically throw in the vulnerability away and you can start scratch as well, unless someone checks that into um, to a source control or checks the dependency in or something like that. And that's where supply chain security becomes an issue. But then also, instead of you walking around traveling the world now with this laptop with all your copies of your source on it, um, that never gets copied down to a local machine. And mm -hmm. it's it stays in the cloud. You connect to it remotely, uh, but the source never leaves your control. And so you have uh, much greater control over um, how that comes to be, like the providence of it, mm -hmm. as well as uh, you know what happens and how you automate that and how you tie that into your soul chain. And we think that we have there's even greater opportunities uh, for us to support a level of extensibility to support um, security scanning, um, like SBOM type analysis of dependencies, things that could run almost as sidecars in the cloud that is 
a lot harder to get running when everybody's on, you know, different hardware or different versions of like this Mac M1, M2 or x86 or might be on Linux mm -hmm. or might be on Windows or something else that like you're in a more normalized, secure, steady environment that is under your control. So a uh, couple of questions. One of them sparked by Shivam's question, which I think is is basically, is there still a self-hosted version? Yes, we don't officially support a, a self-hosted version um, anymore. Gitpod's still open source uh, mm -hmm. in terms of like the source is available, mm -hmm. uh, but we are heavily optimizing towards uh, uh, being able to control the deployment of Gitpod like in a very vertically integrated way. The, the challenge we had with how we we're offering self-hosted before is we were basically positioning is like, you can run this on Kubernetes and you can run on any flavor of Kubernetes you want, on any cloud you want. And it became really difficult for us to manage all those variations and to truly optimize it. And so, um, you know, we're just, we're trying to build a successful uh, uh, business and, and company that, that's sustainable for the, for the long haul. And so we had to make some tough decisions around really being able to focus on like if we, what's most important for us is just to deliver a really great experience. Mm -hmm. um, if we can do that in a way where it makes sense to, for people to do that and, and to support, uh, you know, self-hosting the way that we did before, um, we would like to do that. I think that we're on a path with our dedicated deployment model in the future to be able to offer that in a more self-serve way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's some other there's some other options that we have to be able to do that, especially when it comes to much smaller teams or individual developers to be able to enable them to not have to incur um, significant costs to be able to do so. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to find the right balance between um, how we can support the community and others, uh, you know, other companies and independent developers like us to provide them the value that we can. That's why we still have like the free tier. But, you know, ultimately we're trying to, to also build a, build a company and, um, and build a business. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What about mobile environments? It seems like the sweet spot might be, you know, server deployed uh, applications and VS Code is like the most popular IDE for that. But what about Xcode or, or you know, mobile specific development environments? Yeah, there's, there's definitely challenges there, especially when it comes to the Apple ecosystem. It's a you know, closed ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, and and that makes it more difficult um, to do something like this unless uh, Apple does it themselves. Um, it's yeah. hard to integrate with. There are, uh, depending on what your tool chain looks like for mobile development, especially on the Android side, whether you're using Kotlin or mm -hmm. if I've mentioned Expo before as mm -hmm. uh, it's for React Natives and Gitpod works really well. Um, with that tooling, uh, there's a lot of web development, you know, whether that's to React or pick your mm -hmm. flavor of web frameworks that people do as well. Um, and whether that is, uh, you know, working on like PWAs or it's mm -hmm. actual like native mobile development. Um, but the, the hardest one is the, the Apple ecosystem. I would love if we could find a way to support that um, better uh, outside of the, uh, you know, tools like React Native and to support like more of an Xcode native experience, but mm. uh, it being a closed uh, ecosystem makes that even more difficult. Yeah, they make it difficult for sure. So the dedicated deployment model, you mentioned it's supported through a deployment into an AWS environment. Any plans to expand the um, the hyperscalers that you support? Yeah, we uh, in, in, in the longer term, uh, we want to support you know more cloud environments than just Amazon. We're focusing on Amazon because that's where the majority of our customers are. Uh, Gitpod.io today actually runs in GCP. Um, and so we're running our like SaaS 
on GCP and we're focused on uh, the dedicated deployment model first in AWS. And once we nail that and make that work really well, the intention would be to expand um, to other cloud providers ranked based on where we find the biggest opportunity for where our customers are. Ultimately, as we're trying to run is where our customers are. Yeah. So I, I, I want to ask about what's in the pipeline. Can you talk a little bit about the roadmap? What's, what's exciting coming down the pike? Yeah, there's a number of things. Like one is even as I talk about um, the sort of aspirations for uh, cloud developer environments that we have, we still have a ways to go before we really realize the, at least what, what I want to see in terms of um, reliability and quality and speed and like that it just is fundamentally better than like what you can get on um, just like your, your local laptop. And so we plan to make some significant investments there in a next generation workspace runtime. Um, the second is uh, just in this area of extensibility where um, like we're not building our own IDE as part of, of Gitpod. Um, one, because it's, it's, a, it's a really big effort. Uh, and we also want to, we want to be a very extensible platform for the next generation of developer tools to be created and or to support the ones that already exist. So uh, if you're building a new IDE, we want that to work really well with Gitpod. Um, or if you're building a, a next generation development tool um, and whether that is like a new GitLens style tool or it's something that runs in the command line or whether it has a, a UI or not, we want you to both be able to build that on Gitpod but it to work really well on Gitpod. And so, um, we'll be working on additional ways to extend Gitpod and to turn Gitpod more so into a developer experience platform that is mm. powered by the CDE environment. And that, that CDE, like what we run for the CDE is more like the nucleus of, of like the cell of what we think of a workspace. And things like Mongo Atlas, like the, you know, provisioning a, a Mongo Atlas instance is like sort of within the cell, but it's outside the nucleus. And so we want to support life cycle of that in a, in a better, more refined way. So that's a lot easier if I'm going to start on a project instead of me having to wire all that up. Um, even like we have that Gitpod YAML file, there's ways for you to do parts of that today to like configure it and copy stuff in, but we want to make it much more turnkey to be able to create extensions for Gitpod that work with the projects that you're working on. Just add those to your projects to be able to get you started uh, faster and a more or standard and stable way. And so hmm. the extensibility is going to be a really big focus uh, for us. Um, like in some of the, I think we, before the show mentioned like chat GPT a little bit mm -hmm. and, um, and, and just some of the, the, uh, the new experiences, whether it's through copilot or some of the other like coding assistants we talked about, or it's like cursor, which is taking this approach of like mm -hmm. trying to reimagine the IDE experience entirely if it was more based around generative AI. And I think that there's this possibility to really see a, like a renaissance of IDE developer experiences that I'm like really excited about. I'm really excited to sort of break out of the mold of, you know, files on the left in a folder and mm -hmm. code you're editing on the right. And just to, to see that reimagined. And I would love for Gitpod to be the place that that could help flourish as well as that's a place for people to discover you're the new tool that you've created and to be able to use it and distribute it um, like you'd expect uh, out of a platform. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're in the right spot. Like it's a, it's an exciting space. What are your thoughts on, on AI in the development space? I'm excited. You know, I don't, and I, it's hard to disambiguate right now between like how much is hype, how much is not. Um, I certainly believe that it's not all hype. 
um, even the value that you've seen out of what you can do with Copilot or what you can do uh, with going through like ChatGPT and having it uh, generate. I've, I've generated a lot of like utility type scripts to do like format translation and things like that ad hoc. Um, I've also, you know, had it create like sort of starting places. I like to sort of start to scaffold out an app or some tools I'm working on. Um, and just like you started to see the sprinkle of like what's possible there. And even if all it does t- is what it's, you can see it do today. I think it's, it's fairly transformational in terms of how it removes a lot of the drudgery of mm-hmm. software development. Is it going to replace uh, the need for software engineers? I don't think so. Um, I think it'd be amazing. I mean, I'd mentioned before when I was, before I joined Slack and was at Slack, we were building like a workflow automation tool and really trying to empower anybody to be able to use software to you know help them do their jobs better. I think there's, there's a lot of opportunities to do that without, um, without having people to have to interact with code directly in the way that we think about it as techs. And there's ways I think to build like higher levels of abstractions. And I'm super excited as a developer uh, for what that's gonna allow me to do just to be more productive uh, to be able to to work faster and more reliably, and like I'm amazed just even at the ability for um, you know some of the coding assistant tools just to write tests for you. I think that's like amazing oh, yeah. in and of itself. That hopefully will end up with um, like higher test coverage out of this. And so I don't I don't know. I think it's going to be a long time. I think before it really can operate end to end. I think we're going to find the limitations. Of the like large language model capability just based on the fact that they're they're state like inherently stateless have limited context windows in terms of the content mm-hmm. they can consider i think that'll continue to evolve but i I'm, i don't know yet where like where is the ceiling of, of sort of what's possible that like we'll sort of start to hit the, the threshold of we really need like another leap forward that like what lms like gpt provided mm-hmm. that we got and maybe that's right around the corner i really don't know um, but I'm excited. It's a hell of a time to be alive. Uh, really is. I want to touch on one last thing in the value space for, for, for Gitpod. So the developers are obviously the kingmakers. Their, their time is the most valuable. The value that we get from Gitpod is clearly in, in maximizing developer efficiency, getting them up to speed as quickly as possible. How are you measuring that? And is there an analytics portion built into to Gitpod? Yeah, I think there are. Um... We haven't done anything to measure that directly. Um, we do in some cases, like we have a, a feature for what's called pre-build so that every time there's a commit, we'll pre-build your environment to do things like install those dependencies, run tests. And we calculate the amount of time that those pre-builds run because that is what you would have to do if you were to run that uh, from scratch, like to do the mm-hmm. install and do the build and everything. And so we are capturing that in some ways. The other ways that we do is just talking to our customers about the the time savings for them. And there's a lot of like fairly obvious places to save time. Uh, You know, one is on just developer onboarding for new engineers. Uh, Like one of our customers, Factorial, talked about scaling up their team from like 45 to 120 developers over the course of eight months and uh, saw that they saved like five to 10 hours of developer time per month. Um, just from not having to deal with configuration drift and, uh, and environment issues and reduced, even though they scaled the team up by about 3x, they reduced their their DevOps support team uh, by 50% in doing so. And so we're seeing a lot of, of just time saved because developers aren't having to deal with the toil of the configuration mm. um, of their machine. Yeah, incredible. 
Well, it's been a great discussion. I've, I've enjoyed learning more about Gitpod. What else is going on in your world? I understand there's a, there's a conference coming up. There is, yeah. So we have a, a conference that we're hosting uh, in San Francisco on June 1st and 2nd. It's at Pebblebed, uh, and it is called CDE Universe. Uh, and we're bringing together all the sort of visionaries and practitioners that are working in this space. And there's 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 quite a few of them. You mentioned um, Gitpod with Code Spaces, but there's there's other people taking different takes on it. Like StackBlitz is one that I think is really exciting, where they're trying to they're doing a lot in the in the browser. There's other companies like I came from Slack, and part of what led me to Gitpod is I saw this transformation in Slack, where we moved to a fully cloud based development environment. Like in that case, it was we called the number dev instances working off of these EC2 instances, and we but we built it all from scratch. And so Slack is doing that. Um, you know, we know like we we have really close contact with like the Uber team, and there's um, a team at like Shopify, and there's um, there's teams along the industry. I know Google's done this, Facebook's done this, and so we're we talk regularly to a lot of, um, of these different teams at companies, as well as some of the people that were like our sort of friendly competitors mm -hmm. in the space. And we want to bring everybody together that is interested in looking at what does the next generation of development tools look like? And um, so we're bringing them together for this conference, uh, June 1st and 2nd in San Francisco. So there's a link there. Take a look. It's called CD Universe. And we're really excited to uh, bring that group of people together and continue the, the conversation. Yeah, that seems like a great conference. I'd love to go. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience about Gitpod before we begin to wrap up? Just give it a try. I mean, it's it's really easy to get started and see, um, you know, the, the click of the button on a repo. Like you can actually take, if you have any Git, um, like if you're on GitHub, you could prefix any, any one of those URLs, just hand type and prefix. Like that URL actually, like hpsgitpod.io slash with a, a pound symbol, you know, the hash sign, hashtag, uh, in front of that Git context and we'll launch the environment um, with that Git context. So it could be the repo, it could be a branch. Uh, it's really easy to try, to try. Um, you could also, if you're interested in using Gitpod professionally at your company and you fit those parameters, like I talked about, where um, you're concerned about your source control leaving your cloud perimeter or you have higher security standards, I think that dedicated deployment model uh, could be a really good fit for you. And so if you go to their website, there's some like uh, some forms to fill out and stuff if you're interested and reach out and have a conversation. Um, and uh, like I said, we want Gitpod to be something that our customers and developers really love to use and that's why they use it. And uh, we want to give you the chance to fall in love with us. Uh, is one way to put it. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate uh, you, you joining us for the for the discussion today. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me. Thanks. You've been a wonderful host. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, Michael. Thanks so much to Mike Brevert for joining us today. Thanks to you, the listeners. If you enjoyed what you heard today, I'd love to get a review. You can uh, review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Let us know what you liked. If you want to learn more about Gitpod, visit gitpod.io. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.